Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for this Monday, March 13th. I'm Julie Hersey. The Biden administration announced this morning that it will approve the Willow Development, a major ConocoPhillips project in the National Petroleum Reserve, Alaska. ConocoPhillips wanted approval for five drilling pads. The Biden administration approved a plan for three drilling pads with more than 200 wells. At peak, Willow would boost Alaska's oil production by about 40 percent over today's output. Proponents say it will boost the country's energy and it's projected to remain in operation for 30 years. The move comes after the Interior Department announced last night that it intends to seek maximum protection for sensitive areas of the MPRA outside of the Willow Project. The unusual Sunday night announcement of a new Arctic protection scheme seemed aimed at softening the blow to Willow opponents. Several conservation groups responded immediately to say the protections are good, but did not outweigh the impact of granting the Willow permit. Carlin Itchak is Alaska director for the Wilderness Society. No matter what they're doing uh, with all of these protections, uh, in terms of the special areas or the offshore drilling, it's uh, not enough if they're going to permit Willow. The announcement says the administration will propose a new rule seeking additional protection for 13 million acres, more than half the refuge that are already considered to have high natural and historical value. The administration also announced that President Joe Biden will withdraw 2.8 million acres of the Beaufort Sea from potential offshore oil and gas leases. In 2016, President Obama removed almost all of the Chukchi and Beaufort Seas from consideration. President Biden's action would remove the remaining section, a strip of ocean near the NPRA. Two western Aleutian volcanoes are showing signs of unrest, signaling the potential for an eruption in the coming days or weeks. Tanaga and Takawanga volcanoes are about 60 miles west of Adak. Earthquake activity started increasing near Tananga on March 4th, with Takawanga following on March 8th, according to the Alaska Volcano Observatory. Tim Orr is a geologist with the observatory and the U.S. Geological Survey certainly appears that there's magma moving at a shallow level beneath the volcanoes, but it's uncertain right now if if they will erupt or which one will erupt. Tanaga and Takawanga are five miles apart on uninhabited Tanaga Island. Orr says the observatory is monitoring the volcano's activity by satellite and through reports from people passing by. Yeah, we don't really have eyes on the volcano except from space. It's possible that uh, people in the area, you know, mariners or pilots in the area might spot something happening and report it to us. We rely on a lot of different sources to determine whether a volcano has been erupting. If the volcanoes erupt or says ashfall would certainly affect air travel in the area, just how much will depend on the wind. Residents of the Prince of Wales Island community of Craig do not have to boil their water anymore after water samples came back clear of harmful bacteria. As Reagan Miller reports, officials are still urging water conservation over the next two weeks to avoid triggering another boil water notice. Craig's boil water notice, which had been standing since Sunday, was lifted Friday afternoon. The notice was lifted after water samples tested clear of harmful bacteria. The State Department of Environmental Conservation requires that samples be collected and tested for bacteria like E. coli after water pressure drops to below 20 pounds per square inch. 
Brian Templin, Craig City Administrator, says the water samples got the seal of approval from a test lab in Juneau late Thursday afternoon. The state's Department of Environmental Conservation signed off on the results on Friday. So it's nice to know, nice to be able to give the community confidence in the water that's coming out of their faucets now. But Craig isn't out of the woods yet. Templin says there's another problem, stress on the water system. That release of the boil water notice means that folks are likely going to be using more water for various purposes. Templin says if too many people try to flush their taps, it'll be too much for a system that's already at critically low levels. The plant is running with two so-called treatment trains at full capacity, while the other two trains wait for new filters. He's asking community members to avoid any unnecessary water use. We're at the point where it would not take very much for us to get back below pressure and be back on a boil water notice. Templin says the city is working to keep residents updated via social media and the city website as things change. But the next two weeks will be critical to boosting water levels up. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. The U.S. Coast Guard rescued two people who got stuck on the shores of Annette Island without food or water last Tuesday night. Allie Blackburn is a bubbling affairs officer with the Coast Guard, and she says the pair had beached their skiff on the shore and were planning to head back out again later. I'm not sure if they were just adventuring, but they did plan to refloat with the tide, but then the water became too rough, so they abandoned that plan. Responders from Station Ketchikan heard about the pair from a concerned resident and arrived at Annette Island around 11 o'clock at night. So they were taken off of Annette Island and transferred back to Ketchikan to meet um, acquaintances, from what I understand. Neither of the boaters needed medical help, but Blackburn says they were unprepared to be on the shore for the night. They didn't have enough food or clothing or water. Blackburn said boaters should always be ready for unexpected events. Ensuring you have the appropriate weather gear and not just for air temperature weather. You want to make sure that, you know, in the event you go in the water, you're prepared to be in cold waters. And we know Alaska has really frigid waters. So making sure you have the appropriate clothing, uh, a life vest in the event your vessel sinks. Blackburn also stressed that boaters need to let someone know where they're going and when they plan to be back. A Sitka-based residential treatment program for Alaska teenagers is moving to Juneau. Raven's Way treats teens who've been diagnosed with substance abuse or dependence. It's operated by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH. But sometime later this year, the program will merge with Juneau Youth Services, which SEARCH is in the process of acquiring. Search's communications director, Lindsay Schaefer, says the details are still being ironed out, but Search offered jobs to all of Ravensway staff. So a, a good chunk, 80% of the current Ravensway staff in Sitka have been offered positions uh, in Sitka as well uh, because we are going to use the space that's vacated by Ravensway, the buildings there uh, in Sitka, for, to expand our adult uh, substance use treatment program. The remaining staff that were not offered positions in Sitka have been offered positions at the new Ravensway campus in Juneau. So there isn't anyone that was not offered a a position, period. Schaefer says this means Sitka Adult Substance Abuse Program will effectively double in size as well. Like Ravensway, Juneau Youth Services provides residential treatment for teens as well as therapeutic foster care and case management. Schaefer says it's too soon to say exactly what combination of services will continue to be provided, but once the purchase of JYS is finalized, it will be known as the Ravensway Campus. 
regardless of where it is, Raven's Way has been very important and very impactful. We understand that. And we want it to still, it will still benefit youth that are struggling with drugs and alcohol or, or alcohol. Um, and then youth outside of Southeast Alaska will have a direct route to get to Juneau, which will allow us to expand the program, reach and impact. And I think that's a great thing. Um, and also, I think the expansion of the substance abuse services for adults in Sitka is going to go a long way to helping a lot of families and folks, uh, you know, recover and get better. Raven's Way was in the news this time last year when Search closed crossings, a wilderness program for at-risk youth based in Wrangell, which was one of the community's largest private sector employers. At the time, four of the 16 staff members were offered jobs at Raven's Way, and the other 12 were offered commensurate positions in Wrangell. Since Search is still in the process of acquiring JYS, the timeline for the move to Juneau has not been nailed down yet. But Schaefer says the class of teens that graduates from Raven's Way this April will be the last group to complete the program in Sitka. From unsung heroes to fantastic sci-fi worlds, comic books and graphic novels bring vivid stories and characters to life. And Pluk Itzahtas, or Fishhead Soup, a collective of Alaska Native comic artists and writers, aims to share visual stories of Alaska's rich regional cultures. The Comic Collective is in residence at the Bonnell Street Arts Center in Homer for March. And over the weekend, they came together for their first in-person panel. Corinne Smith has this report from Homer. The creative spark for drawing came to Alaska Native comic artist Demi Maharas as a kid, growing up in the Chickaloon Native Village and listening to his grandmother's stories. He would illustrate the Atna legends she told him, like mischievous raven lazing on a couch, and she encouraged it. Grandma shared the stories with me and collaborated with me to illustrate them and kind of gave me the permission to do that. Creatively, you know, free with how I chose to depict them, which is like comic books or manga. Meharis continued drawing and exploring comics and went on to launch the comic book studio 80% Studios with creative partner Casey Silver. When the pandemic hit, they created the comic Chickaloonies, which follows two Alaska Native characters on an epic quest to become the greatest storytellers ever. It was one of those things that's like we sit here and watch everything on Netflix so we can make a book, you know, we do something. The team behind Chickaloonies is now part of the Kluketsitas, or Fishhead Soup, Artist Collective. Over the weekend, the six-person collective gathered in Homer to share about their creative work and the new collective. And uh, our characters... In the comic, Mr. Yelly and Sasquatch Emoji are kind of, you know, thinly based on us. I, I talk a lot and Jimmy draws pictures, you know, and, um, but those two things combined, words and pictures, is our medium, is our, is our art. And, um, you know, it's been cool to have a thing where art imitates life, life imitates art, we're not quite sure where one began and ended. And personally, creatively, for me, it's something I always wanted. The Chickaloonies comic morphed into a live interactive workshop Maharis and Silver bring to schools and communities around Alaska, including one recently offered at the Homer Library. It shares Alaska Native storytelling, comic drawing, and expression around themes of sharing culture and Native values, and has drawn people from all ages, says Casey Silver. The comic was almost secondary. What it was was the experience that we had and the story that we were sharing. Melissa Shaganoff is Atna and Paiute from the Chickaloo Native Village as well, and also cousins with Maharas. She's a cultural knowledge contributor to the Chickaloonies comic and a member of the Fishhead Soup Collective. I do a lot of things. 
I say that like visiting is my art practice, meaning I just like to talk with people. Shaganov is an artist, curator, and activist whose work is shaped by relationships and ceremonial systems. And she says sharing stories and visual storytelling is also an open invitation for others to find their own stories. You know, we talked a lot today about how when you say that you're indigenous-centered, that it's actually the center is the inclusion, because indigenous it connects you to a sort of a, a higher system, a system that's connected to many different cultures. And so trying to use that as like this way to invite people in and to look at things from a different perspective or from your own perspective. Richard Perry is Yupik and Guichin and a writer and contributor to the Fishhead Soup Collective and says after growing up in Kentucky, returning to Alaska was a return to his native heritage. And at this time, there was no Molly of Denali. There were so few voices of our faces in the media with Alaska Native people or children. And that is such a vital part of growing up and having a good sense of identity is to see and hear your voice in the media, in your community. And that sense of community can be derived from hearing and telling stories, and that's been kind of my core drive. The collective is also about friendship and supporting each other, says comic artist Nathan Schaefer. He's a writer and special education teacher based in Anchorage and author of the Winter Moot series, an Alaskan science fiction adventure story. Through those relationships is a way we collaborate with our communities too. It's about building relationships that are sustainable, purposeful, and also authentic. David Brame is an Afrofuturist artist and scholar, an award-winning mixed-media artist. He's also the newest member of the collective. I also do like sort of conceptual, uh, like Afro-surreal work um, as well. Um, you know, I'm ready to make work with, the, uh, with these guys and really connect with uh, how indigenous futurism and Afrofuturism can have these like really intimate linkages and like explore those. The name of the comic collective, Kluk Etsitas, or Fishhead Soup, represents the six members coming together like a nourishing soup, coming from the Ana tradition and Melissa Shaganoff's language work with Chickaloon Village elders. Members of the collective are working on comic book sequels and upcoming shows, including at the Anchorage Museum later this year. You can follow their work at fishheadsoupcomics.com. In Homer, I'm Corinne Smith. That wraps up the news portion of Midday Magazine for today, Monday, March 13th. And coming up next, we have a look at the marine and local weather forecast.